Greetings, my internet friends. I began speaking here with uh, just this idea of a framework in my mind that I'm just talking and uh, whatever comes up within that is admissible. That's that's my parameter here for four hours. And in these pauses here, I would say that I feel something like difficulty about what I'm going to say next, but as soon as I find myself saying something, a solution to that difficulty is indicated, which is simply narrating that difficulty resolves the difficulty because it immediately provides content. And I would say that I'm observing a slightly halting pattern of talking so far, which I, will, I imagine will smooth itself out as we progress along. Here again, in this pause immediately preceding what I'm saying now, I again perceive that same difficulty um, which would tend to uh, counter what I just said about the difficulty resolving itself because in that pause I remember thinking that I could simply repeat the same thing that I had said with regards to a previous lapse of talking and it would still be true but I also thought that a total repetition like that would somehow be counter to the spirit of this process. However, I've found that what I have proceeded to say with regards to that similar feeling of difficulty the second time around has actually been quite different than what I said the first time around. 
and it even was longer in duration as in there were there was more content the second time around and it seems as if I can keep appending on to this the same train of thought further further descriptions of it that um, are only becoming valid as I'm saying you know the, the immediately preceding appendix or whatever like the last thing that I said is is generating some new relevance if you will or a new observation or something like that it just requires paying a certain uh, kind of attention to the most recent thing that I said and trying to sort out verbally what like how, how to ar articulate uh, what exactly it was that I said N now let me clarify a little bit it's not I don't mean to say that I'm saying the same thing that I just said but I'm saying something about the thing that I just said. And so that process just involves, I suppose, deciding what to say about whatever it is that is the uh, object of my attention, which for the past little bit has tended to be the most recent thing that I've said although I also realize that that needn't be the only object of attention for instance the object could also be uh, some greater um, duration of things that I have said and those options become uh, wider the longer that we proceed here as in the longer that we proceed here the more has been said within this framework and so my options for what to say can also include more overall types of assessments of what's been said so far and and also assessments of what seems to be going on right now or 
or well in in what it is that I perceive to be right now because I am realizing that if I'm making an assessment of what's going on right now it's I'm also finding that I'm that's also the same as uh, kind of linguistically defining what right now is <clears throat> and also realizing that in some sense um, everything that's being referred to even just for example parts of time which for instance for example when i've said talked about the most recent thing that's been said or the longer duration of things that have been said or or the present moment or or maybe for example like the 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 uh, most immediate um segment of time that I can perceive all these um, parts of time that I have been um, referring to in talking about the things that I've said or am saying <clears throat> I'm are, are uh, beginning to uh, reveal themselves as being a little bit more um, more of a linguistic constructs that I'm creating in, you know, the present moment, so to speak, present moment with obviously scare quotes around it because, again, um, the present moment has um, multiple different interpretations, I, I would say, and if I'm, if I'm being honest and looking for um, an objective present moment, I don't feel certain that I'm even experiencing one. Other than, other than something that's sort of a, a referent or, or a, a construct from that that uh, is referred to by by all these other parts of time that I'm referring to as in it seems like the present moment would only really exist as as kind of um, something that's implicated by the ideas of these other parts of time like the past or the immediate past or the immediate future or the longer future, etc. And I don't, of course, um, we, we kind of know what that means the present moment like it would it would seem almost logical to 
it would seem almost obvious to say um, I'm speaking these words in the present moment and it seems like um, I understand what that statement means and you understand what that statement means but um, if I think about it it's it's not as if uh, I could actually uh, perceive that only in the present moment as in it's not as if my my understanding of that statement or even my uh, comprehension or even my perception of that statement occurs in the present moment because I mean even even the sound itself it's like is let's say there's a I mean I suppose like if you want to be kind of rigorous about what the definition of the present moment it it, it uh, means an infinitely thin sliver of time right that that is the present moment it's infinitely thin and so it, it has it would have exactly zero extent in time in a way it's kind of like a like a zero dimensional object like there it has exactly no extent has exactly no duration and the question begs is like uh, even the word now has duration and has extent and if you were to take any infinitely thin sliver of the duration of time that it takes to say the word now that sliver would not contain any information it wouldn't contain any sound even I mean let's just keep going with with the sake of for the sake of argument let's just keep going with this uh, assumption that time is uh, you know we're we're continually moving through time directionally and we're continually experience we're we're continually in this uh, infinitely thin sliver of time that is the present and uh, we're just constantly moving forward then even something like the little let alone the conception of language even something as seemingly fundamental as the perception of sound <clears throat> can only it can only be kind of uh, an agglomeration of or, or a, a sort of contraction of um, a duration of time as in infinitely many of these infinitely thin slivers of the present moment 
So even something like sound perception is some kind of contraction of time. And then necessarily so, something like the comprehension of language is an even larger contraction or a contraction of uh, even larger duration of time for something like understanding to occur, to occur. And so at what is there some point at which that contraction occurs in time? I can't, I can't uh, perceive a point at which, I can't perceive a specific point at which, uh, like, for instance, the hearing occurs. But at the same time, as, as some, as some sort of like, um, As, as some sort of like shorthand description, it doesn't sound, seem wrong to say that I'm hearing, and it doesn't seem wrong to say that I'm understanding the language that I'm speaking, and um, obviously, I can say with absolute certainty that you are understanding the language that I'm speaking and I don't I don't mean necessarily that uh, you are uh, perfectly uh, comprehending uh, the ov what some overall tr um, truth or observation or uh, overall statement that's being said here I just mean that um, you are uh, decoding the language. Which I can say with absolute certainty. Because if you weren't, then you wouldn't be understanding what I, what I just said, and the uh, communication would not have been made. The communication of that particular concept that you are understanding what I'm saying would not would not be occurring if you weren't understanding what I was saying I mean it's it's just kind of a tautology Anyhow, <clears throat> I can remark of what's 
been said so far that um, all these things have uh, flowed from a, a point of not knowing what to say. I mean, I'm not gonna pretend that they're, that these are something like completely spontaneous or original thoughts. Almost certainly not. But I'm just saying that um, within the time frame of speaking that's going on, um, whatever is being communicated is continu contiguous with uh, what I remember of the beginning of this video. which was something like just stating this uh, framework of simply speaking and whatever whatever is spoken is uh, admissible. But of course, I would grant you that there's not There's not really something like, uh, like, um, objectivity in this process, and that it's not as if, uh, stating that framework would somehow, um, distance me from uh, my subjectivity and my patterns of thinking and speaking and my inclinations and proclivities etc from affecting the content of what is said whether consciously or unconsciously. Indeed, as I go on here, I do become aware of how things that I am saying Are, are in a way uh, not originating from anything like some present moment of creativity or something like that, but I, I am seeing how they relate to things that I've thought or heard or read 
in the past and things that I've said in the past. And as I uh, see that, it seems as if <clears throat> it seems as if um, aspects or things that I would associate with uh, being myself or uh, being. constituent parts of myself, um, you know, especially thoughts and ideas. Things that it seems like I, I would have ordinarily uh, thought, of, thought of as um, originating kind of in the present moment from uh, whatever the center of me is or whatever the, the center of uh, my free will would be. As in, I'm, I'm creating and generating those thoughts. I mean, that's, that's uh, what I'm presently assuming that my uh, default uh, world model would be, or, or self-model would be, or metaphysical model would be, that is. Of a self that <clears throat> can originate thought in the present moment. But um, instead I'm, I'm seeing... everything that I'm saying as being um, connected to things that are, are to varying extent um, external to myself. That is, I don't, I, I, if I think of my past self who has thought these ideas before, um, the, the uh, more distant in time, my my model of that past self is the more uh, removed I consider it from my real self, which I would be considering the present self, as in, just for example, it's easy to uh, think of things one think of ideas and proclivities one held 10 or 20 years ago and feel a uh, distance from those ideas and proclivities and the self that they supposedly constituted as being naive, we know better now, etc. But also that um, 
I can see the uh, a, a pretty clear connection with all the things that I'm saying and things that have been said or thought or written by other people. And just, you know, to the extent that uh, it's not really possible to uh, single out um, anything that I'm saying as, like, originating purely within me, at best it's having, it's, at best it's, you know, it's like me is kind of some um, cauldron, some kind of stew. And what would seem to be real, you know, what would seem to be originality would just be a, a stew that's been simmering for longer. That is um, more thoroughly integrating ideas from uh, disparate external sources. But also on the same token, all these ideas, no matter how well integrated or simmered, are always referring to an external world. Even if it's, or, or referring to something else even if it's referring to something like internal world or referring to something like consciousness, <clears throat> whatever it be, the idea seems um, as dependent on something uh, external to the would-be originator as it is on the originator and more of more of uh, more of something like a bridge between internal and external than uh, anything like a uh, pure reflection of internal furthermore um, Any ideation, uh, insofar as it's even um, registered as such, seems to be uh, sensible in a manner that at least has the uh, potential for communication <clears throat> to other subjectivities, as in all of this ideation that's going on now even you know while on one level is uh, very explicitly being uh, recorded 
and shared obviously I mean it's 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 a tautological truth that uh, this this ideation is shared with you via this um, particular medium but uh, even on a more fundamental level the ideation itself which um, which I'm suggesting is is um, is very inextricably uh, entwined with perception itself is occurring in um, kind of an intersubjective format as in ideation as insofar as it is is registered is registered is uh, is sensible in a, in a way that has the potential to be shared whether it is actually shared or not as in I could in other words the the forms in which uh, I can perceive which and my by perception I am including my perception of the quote-unquote external world as well as my perception of my quote-unquote internal world my perception of my own thought world or imaginary world whatever um, those forms are uh, those forms of perception are are uh, I'm saying like fundamentally um, common to other people I mean I'm, I guess I'm questioning that that they're probably not probably not actually universally common to other people and almost definitely not universally common to uh, other animals and other life forms So to append what I said, um, though definitely, my my perception is definitely far from universal to even all people. I mean, as as evidenced by the particularity of the language that I'm speaking. However. It seems like almost everything that I perceive 
is common to at least some people. And why I'm saying that is because I'm saying that my perception is influenced by my conception, which has has everything to do uh, with my uh, finding utility in the world. As in, if I'm perceiving a rock, it means I'm conceiving a rock. If I if I can't conceive a rock, it's questionable to say whether it's true that I actually perceive a rock. And the fact that I can and do conceive of a rock indicates and is caused by the fact that the concept of a rock has utility to <clears throat> myself. And even, uh, and just for example, even um, the uh, my my perceived uh, properties of a rock or all the all the properties that i can uh perceive of in a rock so something like weight you know like weight um implying um this uh direct uh relation to my body or even, or the, the conceptual category of mass as being um, mass uh, ostensibly being uh, a more objective term that's less related to my own body per se and less related to uh, the other object that's creating the gravitational pull on the rock or the object or whatever it is and giving it weight which is you know weight being relational being relative to uh, a gravitational pull exerted by another object with mass but the uh, concept of mass having um, a relative degree of <clears throat> relatively less relativity However, the uh, concept of mass is um, kind of like a kind of like a um, it's something like a rule of, of nature or a law of nature that is could be said to be uh, encompassing or organizing uh, large amalgamations of percepts. percepts of the behavior of objects like rocks and 
their, how they exhibit weight in relation to each other and in relation to the perceived self and the body. And um, that fundamentally being a mode of utility um, towards a, a mode of utility for the self as in something things like weight and mass are instrumental uh, types of percepts and concepts for uh, the the uh, the uh, survival and proliferation of this the perceiver and conceiver and that relation of utility has a certain um, uh, there's a certain symmetry between what's thought of as external and what's thought of as internal to the perceiver as in for instance Just uh, trying to trying to speak uh, in my case, then um, it seems like it certainly seems like the the uh, survival of uh, this particular form of subjectivity that uh, I seem to be experiencing. That is. Uh, something like, you know, the human experience and then more specifically my individual human experience seems uh, predicated upon the maintenance of, um, you know, various uh, equilibriums of the body. Like, well, maintenance of the body, basically. And uh, the maintenance of its uh, corporal boundaries and uh, its internal equilibriums. But the maintenance of those equilibriums <clears throat> is uh, inextricably linked with the external world, as in uh, something like hunger occurs and um, hunger is I mean, you can say it's an internal state, of course, but it's also a state that um, is strongly indicating something in the external world, needing meaning. It's it's uh, it's going to uh, 
shape um, shape my behavior towards the end of um, rectifying that disequilibrium by eating something that is, you know, acceptable as food that will go in and maintain the, the, the equilibrium. And that's kind of a, you know, a physiological example, uh, but there's things like that that are not physiological, but you could say mental or conceptual and related to um, a somewhat more abstract conception of self or identity that in which I would say that the survival of this identity of my um, perceiving self, the perceiver, is also predicated on certain uh, mental abstractions like beliefs about the world or beliefs about myself and or um, like representations of myself through uh, others' eyes and so forth. So, kind of, yeah, kind of both, like, seemingly internally held ideas or thoughts, as well as uh, projections of myself through other subjectivities. And so these things all contributing to a certain to a, a construct or a complex that kind of seems like the self and that uh, wants to survive. And all that stuff is uh, predicated on doing certain things or, or maintaining certain things that are a little bit more abstract than um, just the uh, physiological aspects of staying alive. However, <clears throat> I can observe that these somewhat more abstract aspects of self um, 
come and go or at least I can I can uh, think of I can I can conceive of a self that has continuity that is uh, the physical self that was born and has uh, persisted through reality for a duration up till the present moment uh, has gone through many changes of course uh, you know now that I think about it it's has gone through uh, drastic physiological changes and you know of course you've heard this before that our the matter that composes our body um, is is gone is uh, kind of gone through every seven years that is to say you are uh, you have none of the same matter composing your body as you did seven years ago but also uh, of course I can see how the uh, the more mental types of constructs that have constituted that that have uh, been aspects of myself have come and gone and some of them died away in the course of what I'm thinking of as the continuity of my uh, physical self well But then I can I can go further and and ask myself uh, to what extent is uh, this physical continuity real and evident uh, beyond it being a concept. Um, that I that I am uh, presently holding what is uh, to what is extent to what extent is my past um, objectively real versus uh, something that is drawn forth from memories that are that are recalled in the present um, I mean, that seems obvious, but then uh, we have to say that memories do have some uh, at least correspondence with some at least uh, intersubjectively agreed upon past, as in many of my memories w will correspond, will corroborate with other people's memories. And so, indeed, there is definitely intersubjectivity.
I'm feeling like I want to say that the things that are being said almost seem uh, so removed from uh, some idea of a present moment. They're so uh, dependent on um, this web of concepts that um, it seems as if everything that I say is uh, really dependent on a whole host of assumed concepts that once I start to investigate them they're not they don't seem uh, inherently true or something like that and that uh, even the act of uh, speaking at all is always uh, engaging in it could even be said reifying a whole conceptual framework that uh, mostly kind of seems true um, It mostly kind of seems true like when it's um, not investigated or not looked at directly. It seems true like in the peripheral. As in uh, whatever is the object of our focus at any given time, whether it be true or false or substantive or a construct or empty or not, whatever it is it's related to, it's, it's always kind of um, implying all these other Truths that uh, when examined themselves they have they have no um, inherent substance to them. They themselves are also completely dependent on a bunch of other. supposed truths and so on and so forth like uh, as if um, all of knowledge and even all of experience <clears throat> is like constituted of uh, this infinitely complex web of things that don't themselves have any 
existence. Like uh, everything that seems to exist is just made out of non-existence. that uh, like the extant itself uh, is exactly uh, non-existence. Which, uh, it keeps, that, that keeps kind of like, uh, bearing true, um, in my observation. But what I mean by, by bearing true also means, uh, also means bearing false, as in uh, always coming up empty-handed um, as the result of getting uh, the, the closest to uh, something fundamental. As in, uh, when I perceive something that seems real, like, uh, for instance, myself and uh, my body, and um, it's my uh, un in unavoidable needs, you know, my unavoidable uh, physical limitations, for instance, the fact that I cannot uh, just jump off a cliff and be all right. And I, I can't, uh, just will, uh, whatever I want into material existence and, and so forth. Um, <clears throat> in in observing uh, that uh, reality, which is which is maybe almost synonymous with limitation, as in, like for instance, and so I'm, I'm limited to and by my body, or or, uh, or uh, limited to and by my perspective. It's like those limitations are uh, are 
are completely necessary for me to even um, experience something like a body or um, experience something like a, a perspective at all. Like, it wouldn't be possible to, uh, I, don't, I don't think would be possible to uh, experience something like being everything. Like, I'm a, I'm a, you know, it's like, the body, and so, you know, I'll, I'll of course, uh, there's, of course, there's um, problems with saying that I am my body or something, and of course, we can deconstruct that, uh, whatever, but just remarking on upon the limitations of my body, <clears throat> it means that experientially, I'm not the world. I'm perceiving a world that in in some in in some there there's some sort of limitation to um, what I'm able to perceive of as myself and what I'm able to perceive of as not myself there's some kind of uh, it seems like there's some kind of division um, Just, just insofar as like, I have to eat food and drink water and have air and I have to sleep and all that sort of thing and keep a reasonable temperature and etc. But also that I cannot uh, access your interiority. I cannot. I. I, I cannot. Um, I cannot access the uh, specifics of your experience. I cannot uh, access like the the form of your perspective. That that is, I I cannot uh, see the content of it. Other than actually, to be honest, at this moment, uh, <clears throat> I have an idea of what. At least, I have a, an idea of at least uh, one of the aspects of the content of your experience right now, which is uh, this. But I can't uh, experience uh, what it is like to be everything that I can perceive as having subjectivity. Or not having subjectivity, as the case may be. And that's necessary. That's necessary to have any experience at all. There has to be limitation for for there to be experience. There has to be separation. For there to be perception the the perceiver the perceived and perception.
there has to be uh, so there has to be this this limitation in order for um, anything to be perceived or conceived as um, as something like some kind of whole or something uh, larger than the self. So something, anything like uh, anything like um, an objective reality needs the limitation of a perceiver or the limitation of a conceiver to uh, have anything that you could think of really as an existence. And um, so of course you might, there might be this conflict in your mind, well, of course you and I can imagine a world with no perceivers, or you know, a world with no life is certainly imaginable but then you have to pay attention to the fact that it is exactly being imagined within our subjectivities Something that uh, it's just it's it is not um, it is not actually um, coherent even. To uh, to propose the exist to propose the actual existence of something that uh, that is completely independent of uh, sensation or conception. And we have to admit that even uh, the things, even the worlds, are parts of worlds that we can imagine or conceive of or even uh, propose as as existing or even propose as theoretically possible uh, are extrapolations from our own sens sensible world they're extrapolations from what has been sensed
But what I was actually getting at was uh, just kind of another way to say that when I said uh, the extant is is exactly uh, non-existence or or emptiness, if you will. It's kind of like, uh, emptiness is, is, um, equivalent to, um, the whole, the whole of reality. And when I say reality, I'm defining it as everything that is real, whether that be external or internal, objective or subjective, that there, that there definitionally is nothing external to reality, because if, if there's something external to reality that is real, then it belongs within the category of reality. So definitionally, there's nothing outside of reality. But also, in order to uh, perceive or conceive anything like reality, any reality at all, requires a limited perspective. And when I say limited perspective, it's... Um, that's, that's kind of uh, redundant because any perspective is necessarily limited. Any perspective implies the existence or at least potential existence of other perspectives that, that belong in the same world as the originating perspective. As in, 
if I have any perspective at all, which I do, it's necessarily a perspective onto a world which must include other perspectives or at least other potential perspectives. that belong to the same world. I mean, um, this seems just so obvious that it's like I'm not saying anything at all. Like you would say, you, you would say, you know, this is kind of just so obvious that the way the world is the way that reality is that you're not saying anything, you're not uh, imparting anything, uh, and I would, I would agree. But from this perspective, it seems like I, I can sort of almost conceive of the reality. You know, I can't, uh, obviously I can't, um, in a, I can't in a meaningful sense experience all of reality. But I can, I can kind of model it. I can think about it and I can relate my perspective to it, to what I think it might be. But I can't, um, I can't finally grasp it. That's, that's just not, uh, it's, it's a contradiction in terms. It would, to, to, uh, to actually grasp reality is, uh, definitionally impossible. And what, what I mean by grasp is not to model I think it is uh, theoretically, uh, it is theoretically possible to uh, model reality, but modeling is not the same as uh, like completely uh, apprehending or uh, perfectly 
experiencing with uh, or, or perceiving every aspect of it as in um, <clears throat> no model of reality could uh, for instance um, authoritatively uh, determine all of the form of that reality. I mean, that, that's, it, that idea in itself is incoherent. Um, the idea of knowing all of reality is also incoherent. Because if you could know all of, all of reality would uh, be the equivalent of um, being all of reality. There would be, uh, because it would have to include um, absolutely every uh, aspect of objective and subjective to the point where there would, the, the known would leave absolutely no room left for the knower and if you if the knower is gone then the known is also gone and then again you're back at non-existence and uh non-existence is uh exactly what it means it doesn't exist It's so non-existent that it makes existence. Essential, essentially, this is non-existence. Like this, uh, this, this reality that exists, that you're, you know, that you and I are experiencing right now. And uh, you can actually, you can see that. You can see, you can see how that which exists doesn't. Know what I'm saying? That uh, that which seems is exactly not, it's, it's just not. And yet it still seems, I mean, and, uh, but this is not to denigrate the seeming part, 
not necessarily to uh, denigrate it to the status of illusion. More of like, um, like that uh, all of reality is like provisional. And it's always, it's always passing, you know? But not just temporally, but in every other sense, too. But I mean, even just looking at the temporal, that, uh, that there is time at all is like an expression <clears throat> of um, emptiness being form. That you can never actually grasp any moment. I'd, I'd almost say that you can't ever actually even be in any moment. But you can sort of... Um, it's like... Um, it's like any moment is like indirectly discernible in the, in the peripheries of time, like... Something seemed like it existed a little bit ago, and it sure seems like something's gonna keep existing, or something will exist in the next moment here. Um, and there's some sort of like <clears throat> uh, rough amalgamation of impressions or something that seems to kind of fuzzily constitute the present moment. But I can't, I can't nail any of them down for sure. I can only, each, any time I try to nail down um, some extant property or aspect of a present moment, <clears throat> I find that it's uh, interdependent on all this, this host of other uh, impressions or, or conceptions or perceptions or assumptions that uh, themselves are not inherently existent but um, dependent on other stuff that itself depends on other stuff etc etc The, uh, it's like the, the transience of everything is, um, is just emptiness expressing itself. Through, uh, 
through uh, form. That that form is uh, form is like definitionally transient. Even if we can sort of conceive platonically of forms that are transcendent of time. But then again, that requires like active conception, and and the conception itself is transient. This is at the point where um, it all feels uh, simultaneously <clears throat> plainly obvious um, and kind of like irresolvable. Which means, in a sense, I feel <clears throat> stupid saying these things because I'm at once saying something that uh, is so obvious it doesn't need to be said and at the same time uh, everything that I'm saying um, is incomplete in a way
I mean, of course, it's it's necessarily incomplete. And now I, I sort of have to remind myself uh, that the uh, whole premise of what I'm doing here was, ne was never to um, elucidate anything. And um, it seems like in this process of speaking, um, I sort of unconsciously uh, have come under this uh, notion that uh, it would be possible to uh, say something about reality um, that that would uh, have some kind of uh, explanatory uh, use and uh, have been like sort of seems like I've been going on on under that assumption as a kind of a, a framework uh, for uh, generating more content as in like taking on a posture that um, I might be explaining something of reality to you that you might be able to learn something from this was uh, implied by the posture of the, of the things that I was saying. And um, so now I can, I can recognize uh, that sort of like unconscious uh, framework of explanation uh, coming up as a type of perspective, like a, a type of um, framework around the sorts of things that I've been saying that um, is helpful in continuing to uh, generate content, just generate language. <clears throat> and uh, even if, even if um, the general understanding of the things that uh, I've been saying to some extent might uh, might um, vitiate the uh, significance of language or vitiate the um, uh, any um, inherent truth 
of language or, or inherent uh, meaningfulness of concepts as expressed in language. Um, nonetheless, it was it was in some sense um, shaping. Or kind of like implicitly uh, implying something of like a like a edifying um, possibility, which um, now I'm just saying um, is one limited perspective. The, the uh, saying that, that the, the possibility for edification <clears throat> implies uh, a certain structure to reality, namely that, that for instance, that there's a, a self that can uh, somehow like objectively learn, learn, learn more of ob objective reality and like understand it better and uh, and this kind of like um, constructing a, a form of utility that's what could be said of the nature of uh, many of the things that I have been saying could be said to uh, be engaging in uh, the construction of a type of utility and construction of a of um, sort of a type of subjectivity or or a, a directionality for subjectivity which you know is perfectly uh, normal and to be expected when especially when uh, subjectivity itself <clears throat> requires perspective and requires directionality and requires uh in, in a sense like not only does you know not only does it have the specific needs like the the uh in this case the need to like know something or to have the need to think it understands things but um, this, the state of subjectivity requires this requires utility, as in, uh, in order to be subjective, in order to uh, you know have have any subjectivity or have experience itself, like uh, you need to have a need for something, you need to have needs. As in the separation between uh, self and other, internal and external, the separation also uh, 
requires that this kind of relationship um well that of of needing uh something from the outside world in order to be able to perceive the outside world as in like like i said before uh the fact that i can perceive something like a rock is indicative of uh the category of rock or the, the even even the more gener general um, category of like object with mass um, having generally a utility towards my perspective. So that's why I'm saying it's like, <clears throat> it's kind of uh, natural, like insofar as you and I have this um, human experience to uh, perceive this like, perceive some kind of utility and knowledge generally or maybe it's even like type of utility you know i'm saying utility very broadly speaking of aesthetic experience even as in uh I mean, that, that you are watching this right now would uh, indicate that uh, you perceive some sort of utility, broadly speaking, um, or potential utility uh, in this uh, act of viewing or hearing this. The notion that there might be something here for you, even how, however kind of uh, nebulously defined that might be, there might be something here for you. Whatever, what might may it be uh, like uh, something that's intellectually or aesthetically or emotionally. Uh, expanding or 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 just fueling or or pleasing or entertaining or whatever it is
So I'm suggesting that, well, that nothing really. I'm not really suggesting anything. But I can, um, I can kind of uh, think of, I can kind of like suggest a, a type of um, meta utility that this might have for me, if you will, as in um, at least ostensibly my framework here is that I just uh, am requiring myself to talk continuously for a four hour duration and the content of that can be whatever it is and uh, is not necessitated to like um, have any specific type of utility to me or to you as in what I'd say at least ostensibly theoretically uh, it's not uh, required to um, be informative or edifying or beautiful or entertaining or even necessarily uh, coherent, although um, I'll say it, uh, probably another uh, probably another uh, parameter that is in employ here, uh, whether I've stated it or not, is that uh, the language that I'm using <clears throat> is uh, kind of ordinary uh, English syntax, as in I'm I'm speaking in uh, coherent sentences. I'm just like speaking normally, as opposed to like uh, free associative. Um, poetry or something like that. And so it could be said that uh, even that um, that even that um, willingness to uh, continue speaking um, in uh, in in you know more or less coherent English statements that uh, conform to uh, syntactical and grammatical rules 
could be could be said to um, be implying a certain form of reality that uh, may uh, not necessarily be may may it doesn't inherently uh, take precedence over uh, other potential realities that um, that would not um, necessitate uh, you know like logical uh, propositional statements or well not necessarily that this is all propositional but uh, that the the proper English syntax is, is implying a certain, uh, f is, is implying some things about reality. So that, that is uh, another f form of like limitation on this, you know, whether, whether it's explicit or Implicit. But um, it's kind of kind of interesting to see uh, that staying within those boundaries, what uh, becomes implied that might lie outside of the boundaries. And like this, I would I would say is kind of like analogous to uh, the limitation of our individual perspectives as in um, to be uh, limited to our individual selves. Um, is in some way uh, very miraculous and that it's only by being limited to that perspective that we are able to uh, perceive everything else or to conceive or to imagine everything else. Including other subjectivities or or other like potential uh, forms of reality and shapes of reality to be able to uh, just, for example, uh, try to like imagine the uh, the forms of subjectivity for like a dragonfly or something. Or a computer or a mosquito or a, a virus or um, a person from a, a very different culture or, or whatever or um, an extraterrestrial or uh, a cloud of gas or um, a coffee cup or whatever.
But uh, of course, like not only just to be able to uh, imagine other subjectivities, but merely just to uh, observe uh, the world. Um, and uh, for this like possibility of discovery, whether that be discovering something external, externally or internally. Either way, the fact that uh, you're limited to your perspective uh, is necessary. Limitation is necessary for any of the uh, aspects of, of experience that we would seem to value. I mean, and the ones that we don't value as well, to be honest, let's, let's not, I'm not trying to like send you a positive message exactly. But I mean, I suppose as like, as I'm thinking about this, it, it does seem in, in some sense like it's like, like this is at least welcome, you know, that um, the limitations of experience, like it, like it's just incoherent to like reject anything about that. You know what I mean? I mean, I don't know if it doesn't necessarily like logically, well, maybe it does. I'm I'm questioning whether, you know, the things that I'm saying would it logically follow that uh it's incoherent to like reject um certain forms, certain aspects of one's experience. <clears throat> Not necessarily. I think you can still reject things if you want to. But now I'm, now I feel like I'm getting, uh, I'm, I'm now I feel like I'm I'm straying into like trying to like stretch this into like um, some kind of like a advice or like perspective about uh, positivistic thinking or not necessarily not positive but positive psychology. which uh, I don't know about. Good, how are you?
So to return to uh, something that I started before and didn't finish, which was like trying to, uh, well, that I can, I can perceive, uh, as I called it, a type of meta-utility to this activity, in that um, ostensibly I'm uh, permitting all, all uh, talking, regardless of uh, its specific utility or theoretically whether it has utility or not to me then and uh, for a relatively long duration of time then uh, maybe it's like the the uh, overarching utility would be <clears throat> that uh, by framing all this by framing this duration of um, relatively um, relatively undirected talking, as in like relatively free of certain constraints or relatively free of certain um, forms of utility. then uh, perhaps um, some, uh, some kind of uh, perhaps uh, it could uh, lead towards uh, some types of uh, higher uh, insights about uh, the nature of utility its, itself or like uh, perceived utility in itself and uh, to um, allow some of those modes of perceived utility to uh, be uh, seen past or seen through as um, being not not fundamental uh, but kind of uh, co-generated uh, with my subjectivity co-generated by uh, the limitation of my experience. And then so, you know, this like type of uh, meta utility that I'd speak of could be something like, um, like a, a broader transcend, more transcendent perspective on the mechanisms of uh, selfhood or something like that. I don't know. But, uh, but still, even as I, as I do it, uh, it's kind of paradoxical in that, like, uh, uh, would be, would be higher insights that, uh, I would tend to have imply absence of the hierarchy of, of insight.
as in just for example I sp spent a long time talking about um, the impossibility of of something like knowing all of reality the necessity the the uh, necessity of limitation how how yeah how how even like um Any would-be um, organization of knowledge is, is um, or like any any conception of how there would be this hierarchy of of knowledge is like uh, necessarily like. co-created with um, the, the uh, specific, co-created with specific forms of my subjectivity. I could, that there's um, a, uh, that there's like a, like a, some kind of symmetry there. some kind of uh, symmetry between between even even the most um, overarching um, like systems that I would that I would uh, project onto um, the reality that I perceive and the sort of uh, like how I draw the boundaries of myself like where where I'm drawing the lines of my system that I with which I organize external reality have this Symmetry with the uh, way that I draw the lines around myself. And, and, and thus the kind of like, uh, lines of my the the uh the forms of my perception of reality that uh you know i'm i'm saying are kind of are conceptual but even when i say the word conceptual uh the conceptual is like inextricable with the uh perceptual I mean, and just like, for instance, there's been uh, 
like uh, neurological studies that are suggesting that even our acts of perceiving, for instance, the visually, our, our visual perception are not coming from the bottom up, as in like, they're not so much like um, objectively perceiving the world around you and then being organized into conceptions. There's actually a lot, there's actually even more like top-down um, action occurring as in your your priors about the world are uh, actually shaping your percepts as in the, the fact that um, I know what a rock is that I have this abstract concept of rocks that even if uh, it's even if it is an amalgamation of seeing thousands of rocks in my lifetime then uh, but it's still like um, that concept is uh, strongly mediating my actual visual perception when when I think that I'm seeing a rock and uh, that just kind of like it's kind of it's just kind of like uh, illustrating that uh, Anything that I might be saying or thinking that would seem to be constituting something like knowledge, whether it be knowledge about um, the external world or knowledge about myself, it's still essentially uh, propositional knowledge or suggesting objectivity or sub subject sub suggesting the world is uh, is just as much is just as much indicative of uh, the form of my perspective and the form of myself and the form of my perception as it is um, like contributing to and shaping my perspective and of course um, there are uh, other factors and limitations upon that as in um, I cannot uh, just willfully uh, decide to uh, like alter this alter my uh, perception into that of an eagle and uh, and kind of then effectively experientially become an eagle
any more than I can uh, I willfully uh, choose to just perceive into reality a donut tree. Because <clears throat> these realities, I'm, and I'm some just suggesting uh, both external and internal, um, have also been uh, shaped by other perceivers. And are being shaped by other perceivers. And that, and that um, again, <clears throat> these limitations um, are are necessary for the existence of any subjective or objective aspect of reality. Then you know, necessary for any reality at all, as in. Um, there seems to be this continuity of the limitations, as in laws of nature um, are consistent. And uh, I have no ability to uh, defy any law of nature because if there weren't these consistencies, I mean, what I'm saying is a law of nature basically is a consistency in experience. Basically is a type of continuity. It's like what they are. And uh, without that, they're just would not be any uh, reality. I mean, like, of course, we can imagine, we can sort, I can sort of imagine some other reality in which uh, we can all uh, will, will into existence a donut tree or whatever we want or willfully turn into an eagle. Um, but if I think a little bit more about the implications of that, um, it starts to um, fall apart as a coherent model of reality because there, there would be uh, basically no, no ground from which to um, discern <clears throat> something like selfhood or 
any continuity. There'd be no no ground from which to uh, for there to be any um, perceptions stable or uh, fluctuating as they may be. Just for example, like if one was uh, willfully able to uh, transform into uh, whatever form you wanted, where where would be like um, the basis? How, what like how would there be any basis to form that will to transfer into anything? How would uh, how would something like any identity um, exist? Like you would be born and. Uh, every single whim that you would have would uh, throw the form of your existence into a flux and uh, the form of your existence uh, would dictate the form of your perception which would then dictate uh, the shape of your reality as perceived um, and there would be no continuity for instance if you are for instance like it is it is incoherent for me to uh, conceive of transforming into an eagle because where would the actual uh, continuity between me and the eagle be? Like the eagle's, for one thing, the eagle's brain is so different than my brain that how would, how would uh, the memories that would constitute the continuity be retained? Like uh, an eagle, I'm saying, could definition, could, could uh, for certain, um, not contain all the memories of a human, first of all, because, like, the memories are kind of dependent in continuity of, like, the form of your body and, and, uh, the structure of your nervous system and, and all of that, like, like, for me to, like, remember being an eagle, I can have some kind of imagination of flying in the air, but really that's kind of the imagine what I'm actually imagining there is like me flying there as like a human or like a human like temporarily inside of an eagle's body but uh I like to to actually like imagine really transforming into another form uh would necessarily require a total transforming of subjectivity and identity just would not be preserved. Like if you were suddenly to become a, an eagle in the sky, that eagle has just, in order to be in the state of being an eagle in the sky, there's uh, a certain form of subjectivity that's required that, you know, would also require like the eagle's memory of being an eagle and, and of like, learning to fly and um, learning how to hunt and um, as well as like, you know, whatever is just instinctual and like uh, inextricable with the physiology of the eagle. Like you wouldn't, like the, the transformation into that would essentially like eliminate any continuity between you and the eagle and there would be no memory but and and so like essentially let's say as a thought experiment you did like fully fully transform into an eagle 
in the sky, a fully grown eagle flying in the sky, uh, that's, that state of being, as I just said, is like, um, requires this whole, um, identified state of subjectivity that would include, um, this whole, uh, like memories and instincts of an eagle. And you would essentially be an eagle who has been born as an eagle and learned how to fly and had all these, uh, past experiences that, um, constitute the present experience. They constitute your present being as an eagle, as an identity. And there would, there would be no, like, I've, I remember being a person in a former life or something. And essentially, uh, I'm suggesting that that's actually kind of how individuation works. In that, like, being in the state of subjectivity that you are right now necessitates this particular shape of... of your identity that includes all these memories of having been born. It's like in our same thought experiment, the eagle could have just transformed into you with all your memories and experiences that constitute your present state of having a human experience. And so it's like, since, since it's, it's like effectively, there's effectively no um, continuity there, it's like, that's kind of how, how it works with, like, uh, the relationship between the whole and the part, as in, you are, you, you could be said in, in this sort of, like, metaphorical, uh, sense that I'm talking about, one creature transforming into another creature to, uh, <clears throat> To, in some sense, like, be related to the whole of reality in that sense, as in, like, to the extent that you are all of reality, including all shapes of subjectivity, um, your relationship to all this, all the other forms of subjectivity is kind of like one of necessarily having forgotten, if you will, I mean, this is, this is really getting, like, kind of metaphorically, like, um, uh, fanciful. So take this all with a grain of salt. Um, that state, as in, because that the, uh, state of your current subjectivity, like, requires, reality, requires your reality to be shaped a certain way. A very specific way, the way that it is shaped right now. And so it's like, it's kind of meaningless to say whether, you know, you have transformed into something else or something else has transformed into you. It's like, you could or you could not if it doesn't matter. And it's, it's effectively not, some, not a, a substantial reality. And so, like, when I talk about the incoherence of think of like imagining this other world where we're 
free to will uh, reality however we want it to be. <clears throat> um, when you kind of see the incoherence of that, then it, it follows perfectly natural the necessity of the continuity of natural laws and and like the limitations on reality like reality has to have these limitations to be any reality at all even though it's kind of like it's kind of as if these other realities can be implied um, by the specific way that reality is shaped and they're they're all so implied that uh, if, for instance, like, well, let's say, let's say that, like, that everything is so um, implied that if you added it all up, it would be nothing, is in, in a sense, that, um, like, the sum of all the boundaries is zero, sort of like the, the sum of all possible universes is also zero, uh, which is sort of like this, this idea of uh, the multiverse is also itself incoherent, as in the, that uh, the idea of the multiverse is that we're imagining that uh, every other reality in which something happens slightly different, um, sort of exists alongside of our universe, but we don't have access to it because we've, like, sort of, the wave has collapsed uh, for our subjectivity into this universe where things are specifically this way. <clears throat> the reason that it's, that this idea is, is incoherent is because uh, the, the, the sort of categories of, of difference um, are undefined. As in, like, how, like, how many times does this... When, when exactly does the universe split off into another universe? Is it, is it only when um, a, a, a quantum physicist in a lab um, observes uh, a photon um, materializing, like collapsing in, in one place as opposed to the other place as it so there so there's only as many universes as there are uh, observed uh, laboratory uh, photon quantum experiments or is it uh, like every time that uh, I guess the implication would be any time that uh, like any any particle does anything or any any wave does anything but uh, at the same time that's all observer dependent and like the uh, it depend that all depends on like what uh, what question the observer is asking what framework through which the observer is observing. The f it it de it's completely dependent on 
the shape of perception. And so it's, it's so, um, it's so completely contingent and undefined what would, what actually constitutes difference because the difference is constituted by observation that, um, that like the, the real, the, uh, the, uh, the other universes in the multiverse lack lack any coherence as in that it's like it's it's so fuzzy that it, it would all blur into nothing as in like if you add up all the supposed other multiverses it would it would get to nothing as in like you can even you can even talk about how the current, the current uh, single universe that we supposedly exist in is already, if according to uh, the quantum physics that is being interpreted into the multiverse, the current single universe that we're in is already so ill-defined that uh, you, can't, you can't actually define this into um, a substantive uh, universe because like the very the very act of defining this universe requires <clears throat> is is completely dependent on the sh on the observation and the form of observation and the question being asked and and all of that And just like, uh, as an example, you can you can just kind of think of, um, you could think of the sorts of examples that people would use to when they're when they're trying to describe this idea of the multiverse. So like, somebody will have some examples. So for example, there's some universe in which uh, we all have green skin, or like, or that movie that. Um, that movie that I have uh, a lot of uh, qualms, scientific qualms, and and uh, like there's that movie, uh, everything, everywhere, all at once. Sure, it's a sure it's a joyous romp, um, but uh, I think it I think it is um, subject. I think it is suggesting a profound uh, misinterpretation of of reality. This, like, just like, you know, like, oh, there's this other universe where we all have hot dogs for fingers, and then it's it's like, okay, and then also uh, every universe where like uh, one single atom is in a in in a minutely different uh, position, but then also all these other other universes where uh, the laws of nature are different. So, for instance, other universes where uh, quantum mechanics don't exist, 
and that that would be like universes in to which there is no multiverse or uh universes um and then the question is like even if you take any one of those like uh where one atom is in a slightly different position and then you examine like this proposition of an atom being in a, a slightly different position and then like understand that uh the existence and the and the position of the atom are these observer dependent things these measurement dependent things that depend on how somebody's measuring it <clears throat> then it's like the existence of all these other uh universes then are are also then like completely dependent on um the uh like modes of of perception and measurement from this universe it just doesn't make any sense like it's 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 definitely just like sort of a an imaginative romp if you will Anyhow, <clears throat> I guess going on um, a tirade like that is a good way to uh, fill some time with talking. And so now I'm like, find myself trying to uh, return to some primeval uh, state of not knowing what I'm going to say as if I've just started trying to return to some primeval beginner's mind and uh, I realize that that's a farce. That there is no beginner's mind. That uh, every state is as primeval as any other. There's nowhere to get to here. But I, I mean, <clears throat> everything I say now seems equally cool and stupid.
as in And to whatever extent I may have unburdened myself from ideas that I could get somewhere, uh, which this statement in itself is bullshit because uh, I can't actually unburden myself. I can't uh, actually ever be free of notions of utility or directionality or um, uh, perspectival. Uh, direction. But, you know, just kind of continue, continuing on uh, in bullshit, maybe in, in some ways uh, I can perceive um, something like a change in tone that is uh, simultaneously completely skeptical of everything um, but someone enjoying that uh, I feel uh, I feel like deeply aware of all the all the like uh, farce of, of everything that I can, every aspect I can perceive about, um, my talking, the, the implications, the postures, the tone, of course the content, uh, you know, but anything that could be thought of as content, even it, even if it be affective or, or, or whatever. But when I, you know, when I say I'm aware of the farce of, farce of that, I'm also, I also feel aware of the farce of saying that I'm aware of the farce of anything because <clears throat> it's not like I, it's not like I see uh, something else more authentic beneath it. As in, even when I, even in this mode that I'm presenting here of like, um, of uh, sort of categorically dismissing everything uh, that's present in this communication, that that includes the idea of dismissing everything that includes um, you know that that uh, I'm skeptical of uh, the possibility of being skeptical of everything or I'm I'm skeptical of the posture of skepticism that I, I ostensibly am, uh, ostensibly am, um, demonstrating here, but then I'm, but then at this, because, 
Listen, my, my skepticism has uh, bared true, has bared fruit. And then on the other side of this, uh, the, the uh, implication of the posture of skepticism is that uh, we're actually looking for the real reality. And so we're discarding everything that becomes revealed as untrue. Or as bullshit or whatever. So I was right to be skeptical of the skepticism itself because uh, the skepticism implies in some way, shape, or form um, an earnestness behind it. And where there is earnestness, there's bullshit. And where there's bullshit, there's the identifier of bullshit. Where there's bullshit, there's a person with a bullshit meter. And where there's a person with a bullshit meter, there's a person earnestly searching for the truth, which is bullshit. <clears throat> and this is fine. You, you, you could object to me and say, but Ben, there are modes of being that are not predicated on truth versus falsity. Uh, and I could say, I could say, yeah, but also, Also, all this language that's ostensibly predicated on truth or falsity, bullshit versus earnestness, uh, this dual, you know, dualistic language that uh, that constitutes um, like normal everyday thought for the human the pers persistence in this dualistic mode can be read as total absurdity absurdism
as in you can say it's Dadaistic to continue <clears throat> in rationality. Because rationality vitiates itself. So does, I mean, so does Dada. Dada is really just disguised rationality. It's just a meta-utilitarian ideology. In other words, to continue making sense is nonsensical. <clears throat> but uh, but nonsensicalness is makes a, makes a type of sense.
So then sort of the uh, paradoxical dialogue between nonsensicalness and, and uh, sensibility is itself um, both rational and irrational. Or the uh, paradoxical and irresolvable dialogue between form and emptiness. is uh, both the logical uh, endpoint of rationality uh, and is irrational. But then again, uh, the irrationality is, is uh, part of rationality. Like all these things necessitate each other and destroy each other. Like everything is here because there isn't anything. There's nothing to learn except different forms of limitation. There's nothing to learn except different shapes of ignorance. And that's fine. It's, that's completely fine. It's, it's fine, but it's not like, it's not like great. It's not like great, we can be finished with this now. It's like, fine, this is completely endless. And that's fine. It's, it's neither good nor bad. It's just completely endless. Like this, this, um, this way that your experience is, you know, you know, I don't mean like the, the specific transient forms of it, but that which all of those suggest and imply the, the, the most overarching general state that you're, you know, that your experience like this, that's endless. And don't get me wrong, not, not like the human experience, but just experience at all is, is completely endless. There's no end to this like state of subjectivity. But don't get me wrong, at the same time, 
that it's endless. It's like not even real. It's not even, it's, 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 it's real for eternity, but it's also not even here now. You know, there's like not even anything here now. Like, there's not even experience. And, and then, and then, you know, at the same time, it's like, oh, seems like there's experience. Oh, that there seems, any, that there's a possibility for anything to seem all, seem at all, uh, necessitates uh, that there is experience and an experience or an experience, etc. And that's all, yeah, that's all, yeah. Experience, that there is an experience is an aspect of there being no experience. And I guess vice versa, too.
Am I upholding the parameters of this exercise? Do I have to define the permissible length of gaps? By which we can still consider me to be talking? I feel excited because I feel as if I could uh, possess the summer and then I realize uh, I can't possess the summer at any point. But It's fine to pretend. I'm going to pretend that I'm a person about to experience summer.
I'll try here anyways. Where it seems like the adherence to the process of ordinary language has in a way uh, self-vitiated as in uh, extinguishing the uh, significance or um, yeah the the would-be significance of language of ordinary language seemingly extinguishing um, the would-be utility of it but also the you the would-be utility of it was not uh, necessarily assumed from the beginning however in the process of speaking as I'm now seeing uh, just now there is uh, at least a type of uh, relative transient utility that's uh, kind of cast up in the relationship between different words and sentences as in if uh, if we took as a whole everything that's been said, uh, for instance, within this framework, uh, it would um, effectively not really be saying anything. Um, there would not really be, uh, at least uh, in my mind, um, a discernible meaning. Meaning, maybe I am wrong. Maybe maybe uh, some kind of overarching. Um, Meaning could be uh, sort of provisionally uh, articulated uh, post facto, although of course, um, from from this perspective, that would be uh, kind of fatally partial, fatally incomplete. However. Uh, there's no real problem with uh, this transient meaning that seems to uh, experientially exist in the course of saying things while things are being said. It kind of seems like they re relate to other things being said. So there's some kind of meaning there. Even if it's um, not really, not necessarily uh, relating to uh, anything outside of itself, uh, and then of course, uh, maybe in another sense it is, or uh, maybe in a sense it's uh, suggesting some kind of uh, <clears throat> meta meaning that uh, this this process itself. The long duration, the whole uh, amalgamation of it, uh, the idea, uh, or the, or the rough, uh, some something that's roughly uh, sensed over the long course uh, of this, 
um, potentially is something that uh, could or could or could not uh, be well articulated in uh, a shorter <clears throat> group of words. Um, I, I tend to strongly think uh, not. But then again, um, even this itself, even this whole thing, uh, still seems uh, basically infinitely far away from articulating uh, what it would be articulating. Uh, and therefore, uh, anything else that anybody else says uh, is equally far away from it and by implication equally close to it or equally it itself which is uh, not anything I still have a lot of time to go. I still have a lot of time to fill. And so like, I judge uh, talking about this sort of thing, talking about uh, the fact that I still have a lot of time to fill, uh, temporarily judge that as being undesirable. Because it seems dumb. Or, uh, or that it, it seems, um, actually it's, it's that, um, the problem with it actually is that it has a mildly negative tone. And now, um, I can, I can, what, what it seems like I can do is willfully adjust my tone to be one that um, I don't perceive as negative. Uh, I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and not even um, examine what I just said about, you know, willfully doing that. I'm just going to not even uh, delve into that. Um, question of free will if I can avoid it in fact it seems like um, just a perfectly legitimate tactic at this point to uh, take on uh, a stance of avoiding investigating anything or or avoiding uh, attempting to um, approach truth whatsoever. Although, um, <clears throat> now that I think of it, maybe it's, maybe it's in some ways uh, 
also also impossible to avoid that as in um like when i said that and then i then i thought about what the word truth means um it's it's uh it's specificity kind of broke down and uh just kind of uh, dissipated into um, all of reality and all of potentiality, uh, such that in a sense, like, um, in a certain sense, you could not, uh, like, get, a, get farther, get closer or farther away from truth, no matter what you try to do. I mean, in a certain sense, that's not really true, what I said. But then that just kind of goes to illustrate the point. I think. And, um... While I, for some reason, uh, decided that it was not desirable to uh, exhibit a negative tone, um, even though, honestly, the negative tone was uh, undergirded by a, a position of um, delightful um, detachment or, um, and bemusement, um, a sort of uh, different perspective on uh, <clears throat> the idea of having a tone at all. For uh, for some reason, I also uh, have been finding it um, somewhat distasteful to have have like a a jovial tone. Or, or um, like a like a a, a very uh, joking tone, for some reason seems uh, distasteful to me. And you know, here here I'm just like at the point of um, just. Kind of, kind of like flippantly uh, remarking upon tastes and and distastes, which seems distasteful to me. But. Uh, I guess the only alternative that that implies is some form of uh, rigor.
the uh, but the standards of which uh, I think I would find difficult to take seriously. As in uh, the arbitrariness of the rules of the rigor. But here I am, uh, seemingly ab abiding by some rules that um, I'm recognizing as arbitrary, <clears throat> but uh, in a certain sense, it's I'm I'm most well positioned to recognize this arbitrariness. Um, from within the bounds of following these rules. Know what I'm saying? So within the rules I'm, within the boundaries of the rules I'm best positioned to uh, perceive the arbitrariness of the rules, uh, kind of, we could say, in the same uh, manner that um, it's it's only kind of like within the boundaries of my individuated perspective, within those limitations of that individuated self uh, that uh, I'm able to kind of perceive um, both like the the potentiality of um, other forms of individuation and other forms of subjectivity um, and uh, and also to like, yeah, kind of perceive the the uh, arbitrariness, as it were, of the boundaries of myself. As in, like, just for example, it's like when I can think that uh, I was born into a certain family and had certain uh, interactions that I didn't really control or cause but that uh, have, uh, you know, all those interactions with the world have completely uh, shaped who I am. And uh, it's like it just as easily could have been completely different. There's this specificity that and arbitrariness that's like, uh, like, yeah, if I was born in some different situation and had a different set of 
uh, circumstances. Um, I would be a serial killer or I would be um, a finance banker or uh, I'd be uh, like a guru or I'd be uh, um, dead or uh, an ant or whatever. I mean, I'm probably uh, starting to lose um, some of the um, some of the continuity of my attentional facilities here. Maybe, maybe you uh, have begun to notice this, where uh, and on on one hand, like I I can perceive this shift that is like you may maybe you perceive that uh, some of the things that I'm saying um, start to take on a slightly more uh, flippant tone and, and start to maybe like just kind of uh, jump around from topic to topic uh, more freely. Um, there, It's like a little bit less uh, focused. And uh, I mean, from my, from my subjective point of view, I... I, I I might attribute that to um, kind of the the like the state of mind that 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 has been um, uh, reached uh, through um, attentiveness toward to to something really really anything. Any uh, train of thought, just kind of like continuing it on and on and on, um, and uh, like achieving like a would be a, a would be penetration, but it's really just a, a penetration into nothing. Like to to the extent that there, I realized there was no, there was never any penetration because there wasn't anything to penetrate into. Uh, and so it it all kind of whatever might be achieved here is is also just the same as stupidity and uh so so it's like be, being in a state where um let's Let's just say, um, like the perceived utility of um, continuously pursuing trains of thought uh, has has been dissipated. That perception of utility, and so there, there's um, like in my in my thinking, I'm just um, feel uh, less attached to um, pursuing one thing. Because I, I don't feel as if it uh, is going to be rewarding of something, but at the same time, uh, I can also think that like, okay, this, uh, this like, what we could, what we could 
sort of frame as a, a freedom of thinking of jumping around kind of without worrying about jumping around mentally is is the reward and you know it's like i could i could frame this as having a certain uh, lightness to it a lightheartedness to it or or un unburdenedness to it uh which you know could have a relative some kind of relative truth to it but is also kind of like not ultimately real or true um not actually there's no actual unburdening or actual like freedom like th these are all kind of like dualistic terms what was i getting at oh yeah that um so it's like in one sense um i could kind of explain this uh somewhat more uh, dispersed uh, and scattered type of attention uh, as being a, a, a result of uh, some of a result of uh, what the what what the attention what the process of attention uh, yield yielded that um, but then uh, one could also just as easily uh, suggest, postulate, propose um, something from a, a more type of like materialist perspective uh, that um, I'm just tired and that um, maintaining um, long attention on specific things like uh, requires certain uh, metabolic resources and uh, that uh, those metabolic resources are dwindling as it were and uh, I, I would kind of say that both uh, both explanations have equal merit And then uh, I can I can also like I can also look back and on this uh, this current topic that I'm on and say oh well um, I did just kind of like maintain uh, a thread for several several sentences there about uh, this one subject that is um, the sort of like uh, dual dual explanations for the state of things and then I can be like well. Uh, I can also interpret what's been going on as um, attentive and focused, as in uh, I, I can alternately kind of like uh, frame my recent experience uh, as being, uh, as having continuity and, and uh, still, uh, you know, still uh, maintaining this focus on uh, examining uh, this ex experience and uh, still still actually exhibiting uh, some reasonable degree of articulateness uh, 
So it's like uh, it's it's as if um, I'm realizing that I can't can't even uh, cease to uh, frame things and can't even cease to kind of like erect these uh, provisional realities and even notwithstanding the fact that I have am kind of like continuously uh, seeing th through each one I mean and then of course there's probably plenty of provisional realities that I'm erecting that I don't see through and of course I'm not aware of them because I'm not seeing through them I mean, so currently in my mind, like, whether this, uh, this practice is uh, rigorous or, or completely unrigorous uh, is kind of a meaningless distinction. As is the question of whether anything that I'm saying is meaningful or meaningless. Like meaningful and meaningless are just aspects of each other. I mean, I don't know if that make, I don't know if that means anything.
I feel uh, tempted to like um, spout out little gems of propositional knowledge. Uh, but then, uh, in the spirit that propositional knowledge is, is like, uh, just, um, an aspect of, of, like, uh, total chaos. But then, you know, like, uh, what's remaining, like, kind of ridiculously consistent right now, what seems ridiculously consistent, uh, is, um, of, like, everything that I'm saying, everything that I find myself saying, um, I immediately realize as occupying one half of a duality um, and uh, the resolution of, of these dualities like always kind of like leading towards paradox And then, and then that seems to have a certain kind of consistency to it. Which, which kind of like suggests a certain, like the consistency suggests a certain kind of order. But then, like, the, the only order that, that I'm talking about is the consistency of paradox. Which, you know, you, you could also kind of substitute the word chaos or, or disorder. I can hardly imagine that you're possibly like following me in any way like I don't I don't feel like I'm even following uh what I'm saying myself but then then in a certain way uh 
I am following it in that uh, it, it, it's all, it all has like followed each other, everything that I'm saying. Like I've, I've, I've just kind of been uh, thinking as I think and talking. And uh, it feels like uh, like a deep, uh, deep confusion, but like uh, not in a bad way. Really, not in a bad way. Like it all feels like. Very, like, deeply confusing and really beautiful. And even though I said before, it's like, maybe I, maybe I still do kind of uh, find it distasteful to <clears throat> speak in any kind of tone that's like uh, reverent or um, in awe or whatever, or uh, really anything that's like kind of like unbalanced, uh, un uncritical, uh, positive. Distasteful or not, uh, that's sort of how I feel about all this. It's it's weird to say it like uh, at this moment it's it's as it's it's kind of strange, but uh, how uh, in some in some sense I would say uh, that it kind of feels like the uh, goodness is more f fundamental than uh, than any badness. Or um, perhaps maybe maybe like a better way to say that would be something like that. Uh, actually, I don't really know. Like I was gonna say that. Uh, that like goodness is just like synonymous with uh, that which is most fundamental or that which is most um, eternal or something. Like goodness defined as what's fundamental or eternal. Um, <clears throat> but then again, um, the spirit of what I've been saying uh, sort of implies that there's there's nothing that's fundamental or nothing like 
extant enough to um, accurately be referred to as eternal. Uh, but um, all of all of that emptiness to which, like all of this, is kind of referring to. Um, also kind of it kind of feels to me like uh, openness like um, a pleasing absence of boundaries even though um, I also realize that um, like that that emptiness uh, coming come like experienced from the other end of it is like kind of like horror and pain uh, and you know like what you would get from like a bad trip or something of uh, being like uh, existentially viscerated existentially eviscerated that is But then it's like, uh, once that, once that evisceration has taken place, then, uh, you're, you're kind of out in the open in a, f in a free way to, like, rematerialize. In, in a, in a creative way. Which, you know, from, from this perspective, it's like saying, you know, the bad, the bad shit is actually part of the good. But I know also, uh, this doesn't make, this doesn't ultimate, this doesn't make ultimate sense, you know? Of course not. But hey, I'm just I'm just filling time with words. That's that's why I'm saying these things. Cuz I told myself I would fill this time with words. So I'm just sticking to that plan. time we got I mean you're excused if you want to go I'll I still gotta continue on here for a few more minutes 
I still gotta finish my shift. And you're free to you're free to remain here with me or go and do as you please. still having to choose what to say and I thought uh, <clears throat> I thought is it really is it really completely arbitrary what I say in which case um, go with what seems easiest to say and I could and I thought to myself uh, why not uh, simply uh, describe your surroundings and, um, you know, my physical surroundings, and then, um, that just didn't draw to me. It didn't, it didn't seem like what was at all relevant. Like, even, even, uh, so I recognized, like, in the action of describing my surroundings, of course, I, I would be, um, somewhat arbitrarily framing things, uh, with my choice of words and what to emphasize and uh, what to omit, of course, whatever, but uh, apparently what actually presented itself as uh, more relevant was for me to describe uh, this series of thoughts that occurred that led to me um, sort of describing my process of choosing what to say, which um, in some sense has been the basis for uh, a lot of what I have said already. But it's, it's kind of interesting to me that uh, it seems like even that, that strategy could just uh, yield like infinite variation. It's like an infinite way to just uh, say uh, what you're thinking at any given moment and then that process itself is, is uh, shaping the next moment. How's it going? Good, As in, I, I kind of wonder, you know, is like all this like, uh, all this like metaphysical shit that I uh, get into, um, is that kind of like straying from what's most immediate? It sort of seems like I, I always get into some shit like that. 
uh, just, you know, just, just talking about what reality is and always, always talking about the relationship between objective and subjective and what time is and etc, etc, etc. It's like, uh, is that, um, the type of, does that, is that like, uh, naturally occurring when I, uh, stick with this process of, of just like continuously speaking or, uh, because it, I mean, at least in my uh, experience, it does seem like it flows from um, the way that I'm describing my own thought process, like flow, like seems to usually flow into <clears throat> a type of like metaphysical uh, speaking um, that exhibits uh, some continuity in its themes but but that nonetheless like uh almost inevitably like within this in this process of doing this for four hours it's like uh, i do almost always experience some uh sense of discovery at least at least at some point towards the end um Uh, like, it's like my reality just feels, like, very, uh, open. Like, I, like, I, I tend to feel this, this, uh, very, like, refreshing, uh, permeability or something to what, what, uh, what sort of in retrospect looks like uh, a congested uh, self. Although I, I realize that's just hindsight. I, I didn't necessarily, I wasn't necessarily feeling before I did this like I'm, I'm a congested self or something. I don't think I was necessarily feeling like that, although just kind of in comparison and retrospect, it kind of seems that way. Like if I, in the alternate universe in which I didn't come and walk and talk, um, I can imagine I would still, I could, I would, I'd be fine. I'd be completely fine. But of course we know that this, as just, as explained earlier, this alternate universe idea is bullshit. Uh... Or is it, or is it just, or is it the case that, uh, um, this isn't a, uh, some rigorous process at all, but, uh, just, just, uh, my, my pure subjectivity, uh, like, uh, kind of, um, indulgently jerking off intellectually. Is, is that the case? And, and I'm just kind of like repeating, repeating my personal beliefs about reality that have 
been instilled in me by uh, various things I've heard or read. Um, and I would kind of, I would kind of think uh, to some extent um, both are true, like like I, like judging by the regularity of the uh, themes of the ideas that I, I tend to get into there's there's probably some truth to saying that I'm just indulgently uh, intellectually jerking off um, over and over again but then also at the same time um, <clears throat> uh, I can't uh, deny the the shift in the quality of my experience that this seems to engender. And, uh, like, my, at least my, my subjective feeling of, of, uh, thought being in, in some relative sense, like, liberated. Or, or, uh, the, the subjective feeling of uh, getting um, uh, some higher perspective on my own thinking than I might otherwise have had. But, uh, but then, of course, like, that's also, um, that's also kind of like just a, a relative way of saying things as, like, I don't actually believe in, like, these higher or lower perspectives as, you know. But like, for, for example, it's like, relativistically, like, I can say, I can say that I can look back at this uh, most recent um, analysis of my own thinking and um, like the, the the comparing of two two explanations of of what I'm doing two descriptions of what I'm doing one of them being uh, a, a rigorous uh, process through which um, my my thinking and insight are uh, lifted up to some higher point and then conversely just intellectually jerking off for a long time. Because you can do a lot of changes the way you're... Uh, and then I could, I could kind of remark that... Uh, <clears throat> uh, the, the sort of perspectival wherewithal of uh, holding both of those perspectives uh, could be a um, result, a, a desired result of this process, you know? Like indicative of the, uh, high, like indicative of a relatively higher perspective relative to those, those two viewpoints on their own, like the ability to uh, compare and hold both of them 
uh, could be said to be a relatively higher one, but of course that's relative. Um, also, could also be explained uh, in terms of um, simply like another uh, reinforcing aspect of like some rigidly held uh, beliefs that I'm intellectually uh, jerking off again. Anyhow, let me see what time it is. I think I got a few more minutes to go. <clears throat> it's interesting that um, I would say that, like uh, my adherence to to uh, the framework, as in, like my um, the more that I commit to uh, filling these four hours with talking um, there's some it, it uh, affords some kind of uh, perspective with which I can kind of like compare all the different things that I say and ways that I say them and uh, different uh, tones and emotional valences um, and like for example, the, and then maybe like the, the different uh, physiological uh, states that, uh, that underpin those emotional valences and tones with which I say things and the energy with which I say things. And uh, in some sense, um, even though uh, there's so much variety with all of those things, uh, I can at the same time perceive a, a sameness to all of it or um, that it's all of its difference is like of, of a type and that its difference um, implies a certain um, equivalence or just uh, more generally of experience like the the um, variety of experience that occurs within the framework um, I'm sort of the framework and the repetition of it and the duration of it helps me to um, helps me to to perceive um, the kind of overarching and, and consistent uh, qualities of experience, although it's not exactly qualities, it's like to, uh, to, to get a little closer to like getting perspective on the phenomena of experience itself. This, for example, like the different, like the difference of, uh, feeling energetic or tired or like a relative amount of, uh, energy and conviction versus the lack thereof in something that I'm saying or the the differences in um, how how much like attentional resources I feel like I have or how much effort I feel like I have to expend in order to um, 
keep talking about something or keep thinking about something um, underneath all of that, like what, uh, what, is, what is common to it all uh, in, in some sense. What is what are all this? What is all this variety? Uh, an aspect of, I guess, like if we're if I was going to try to sum this all up, or try to try to sum up the meta utility of this process, then <clears throat> one version of it could be could go along those lines. Anyhow, I think uh, I've lost precise uh, count of the time, but uh, I think that we're more or less around the four-hour mark. Uh, and so uh, thank you for uh, uh, being who you are. Okay. Bye.